0: B.B. Fahodier, welcome to the African Liberation Media Podcast. Media solely focused on the liberation and empowerment of African people. I'm your host, Gullah Jack, a.k.a. Russell Swooley. Let's get to it. Today's day is February the 8th, sixty-two, 61. I'm here with brothers Makaroo and Amos. This is the African Liberation Media. I want to talk about the brothers and sisters who are in are headed for dire straits given the COVID epidemic as well as the employment problem that many Africans faced. Most of the brothers and sisters that I'm referring to will actually live, suffer, and die just a few squalid blocks from where they grew up. We're talking about a situation where in the United States, I don't have a regional breakdown as of yet, where the U.S. consumes 80% of the opioids. These doctors who are concerned with personal wealth over the public health have become wealthy. They've created a nation of addicts through the drug Oxycontin heroin is so bad in many of these squalid areas that many of the brothers and sisters will betray loved ones you know still live on the freeways I have seen them heroin of course being a temporary uh, treatment to deal with depression an antidote for the pain in too many instances the painkiller is a killer we have a situation in many of the colonial enclaves where I would describe it as marketing through murder. The addicts actually want bags sold by the dealer who last sold to the deceased. I actually visited a funeral home a couple of days ago. Is it true that we can receive a similar situation? Uh, when you get a hug from a mother, is it true that a mother's milk is rich in opioids? You know, questions that we can ponder over. This is the African liberation media. So much to do, so little time. Brothers, take it where you want to take it.
1: Yes, the BB-48 African family. In the United States, February is known as uh, Black History Month, of course, started by the great Carter G. Woodson as Black History Week. But for us, every day is a day to extol the virtues of African history, our trials and tribulations, stoning the road we trod bitter the Chastening Rod, and, of course, our great accomplishments of having the world's longest Standing civilization, but I did find a story uh, that I thought was very uh, appropriate since we last week discussed the farce of putting Harriet Tubman, the general on the uh, U.S. twenty-dollar bill. There was a brother named Thomas Smallwood who uh, liberated himself, uh, you know, from enslavement and then uh, became a liberator of other Africans. He helped approximately 159 people escape uh, chattel slavery in, the, uh, in Washington, D.C., and even from uh, right under, under the uh, shadow of the U.S. Capitol and the uh, White House. I saw this in an article titled, Slave Patrols in the Presidents. Uh, neighborhood. Of course, we know that for the first five, eight of the first 12 U.S. presidents were enslavers of African people. George Washington um, actually became a slave owner when his father passed away, I think at age 11. He was willed the uh, 10 enslaved Africans, and uh, by the time he was 18, he purchased eight more. But uh, this brother uh, was able to liberate these people despite the presence of uh, slave, the so-called slave patrols, which are now the American police force. So I'm going to read just a bit from this uh, story. Colonial laws from Maryland formed the basis of Washington cities. That's what they called it then. Washington cities, which is now D.C., slave codes and informed the practice of their early police forces helping to preserve slavery in the president's neighborhood. Routed demonstrations at the White House during uh, the administration, I think, of John Tyler prompted Congress to formalize the Night Watch, increasing slave code enforcement. However, patrols never fully prevented enslaved individuals from using their own agency to resist and evade these police forces, as in the case of Thomas Smallwood, who helped ferry approximately 159 enslaved individuals out of Washington to, quote-unquote, freedom. While these early police forces were dissolved in 1861 and restructured into the modern metropolitan police department of the uh, District of Columbia, many slave patrol practices were ingrained in the white consciousness through centuries of violent enforcement. So I think this is one of the reasons why Dr. John Henry Clark said that all history is a current event. A lot of the uh, violent enforcement that we see on the streets of the United States today by America's militarized police force. Of course, the first black president, quote unquote, Barack Obama, did more to militarize the police than anyone. And they carry out this violent enforcement, as we've seen with Tamir Rice, Michael Brown Jr., and. Walter Scott and Sandra Bland and so many others. But what we're doing right now is uh extolling in extolling the virtues of a of another black liberator that most of us don't know anything about, never heard of, much like Harriet Tubman, the general. This is an esteemed ancestor that we should know about, Thomas Smallwood.
2: I I came across a bulletin this week that was released now almost two weeks ago by the Department of Homeland Security. And this was a bulletin that was titled National Terrorism Advisory System. It was a one-page PDF that was issued on January 27, 2021, and it expires April 30, 2021, so it's a 90-day duration. But in the details of this bulletin, DHS, or Department of Homeland Security, states that throughout 2020, domestic violent extremists, or what they call DVEs, targeted individuals with opposing views engaged in First Amendment protected nonviolent protest activity. DVEs, motivated by a range of issues, including anger over COVID-19 restrictions, the 2020 election results, and police use of force, have plotted and on occasion carried out attacks against government facilities. Long-standing racial and ethnic tension, including opposition to immigration, has driven DVE attacks, including a 2019 shooting in El Paso, Texas, that killed 23 people. DHS is concerned that these same drivers of violence will remain through early 2021, and some DVEs may be emboldened by the January 6, 2021 breach of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. to target elected officials and government facilities. DHS remains concerned that homegrown violent extremists or what they call HVEs inspired by foreign terrorist groups who committed three attacks targeting government officials in 2020 remain a threat. Threats of violence against critical infrastructure including electronic, telecommunications and healthcare sectors increased in 2020 with violent extremists citing misinformation and conspiracy theories about COVID-19 for their actions. So Department of Homeland Security is releasing this and in the past in this country there have been many attacks on African people in this country by what we know to be terrorist groups and extremist groups of all kinds from the KKK to the neo-nazis or what have you but these people have never been classified under any type of title that relates to any type of domestic terrorism And now, because you have government officials and liberals and Democrats who are being attacked, now they're choosing to classify these people as terrorists and even link them, in some cases, to foreign terrorist groups. And the reason why this is uh, important is because, number one, as we've talked about, in previous shows about being prepared, about, you know, being aware of your surroundings. This is an official release of a statement by DHS, but we know that we have to be prepared for any type of attack that could happen by any lone wolves or any white nationalists or white supremacists out there. But two, this is also setting the stage for them to be able to deal with these extremists the same way that they deal with foreign terrorists. And oftentimes they're dealing with foreign terrorists is through the use of force. So it's going to be interesting to see if these are going to be groups that are just broken up by DHS or the FBI, uh, scouting out their plans and, Um, just breaking it up, or if they're actually going to use physical force and try to lethally um, kill these people for what they believe to be domestic terrorism. And also, under the same regard, this is also an umbrella that they can use to classify anybody that has differentiating views and viewpoints and voices those viewpoints, and then not in agreement with the mainstream or the United States government, could you be classified as a domestic violent extremist or a homegrown violent extremist?
0: It is conceivable that uh, the powers that be would be in a bit of a quandary right now, just given historical usage. Of these homegrown extremists, and of course you cite many of them in the past. They have been used as shock troops to disrupt any progressive movement. Uh, you saw the movie Mississippi Burning. You know, based on what little I have discovered in my adult years, uh, the movie was a farce. And in fact. Uh, our esteemed ancestors, Kwame Ture, aka Stokely Carmichael, talked about the fact that the Ku Klux Klan and many of these extremist groups oftentimes would be sitting around with local officials chewing tobacco. You know, it's just, Mm. (laughs) it would be a change in terms of the MO if they, in fact, um, turn the wrath of the government apparatus military apparatus against them. You know, suffice it to say that uh, many of these extremist groups have infiltrated law enforcement agencies as well as the military. I would say they're in a bit of a quandary, uh, given the fact that many of these extremist groups are white, members of white, but clearly whatever legislation comes down will be used as a pretext to attack uh, what's referred to as the black left or any group, any black group who is seeking to bring about the most meager or modest reformed based changes, uh, it will be interesting. interesting. Uh, to see where they go with this. Yeah, that yeah, it would be. You
1: know, they they keep coming up with different classifications. Um, I think last year they came out with what they called uh, racially motivated uh, extremists. Uh, but the the focus has always been on uh, those that they would consider to be leftists or or radicals uh, versus the historical, you know, terrorist organizations. Um, so I mean that I, I think what puts them in a quandary is they they just they just didn't expect these people to maintain their focus on uh, the power structure, particularly these uh, democrat politicians and even some Republicans that they consider to be traitors like Lynn Cheney. And historically they, 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 they have never gone after uh, these these groups. but historically these groups have never gone after uh, you know the, the, the seat of power. So you know this it, it would be interesting to see how how white privilege plays into this and in the fact that they do not, want to be in a situation where they are initiating white on white violence. Um so it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean that's uh you know that's an interesting thing coming out. Uh I, I I guess that's coming from Biden's uh Department of Homeland Security. So you know what we do know though is that uh There's a situation uh, that that came out of Georgia that says uh, Georgia's militias are uniting and calling for Georgia's secession from the Union through an amendment to the U.S. Constitution or through the collapse of the American experiment. Now, does that mean that they are going to uh, facilitate the format or they are just anticipating that the American empire will collapse and that they'll be able to carve out their own territories out of that collapse. Uh, The way patriots are now being hunted down and arrested by fellow men and women who have taken the same oath has disheartened any faith I had in the redemption or reformation of the USA as one entity, said Justin Thayer, head of Georgia's 3% martyrs. That's a very interesting title. (laughs) Uh, You don't, you historically, you don't, you don't think of these, um, you know, white uh, extremists or uh, terrorists as being martyrs, you know, you, you know, not like the uh, Kamikaze pilots, for example, uh, from Japan. I remember watching the uh, movie uh, Midway, and uh, they shot down an American plane, and the plane crashed right beside one of the Japanese carriers. And one of the Japanese uh, officers said to uh, the Admiral, said, he's trying to hit us. And the Admiral looked at him and said, they're not that brave. So that they would call themselves martyrs, says that, that perhaps there's a new mentality emerging. Now, when they talk about links to foreign terrorist organizations, then I can't conceive that these links would be to um, Al-Qaeda or to the Islamic State. Most likely they're talking about uh, neo-Nazis in Europe, in Ukraine and uh, Germany and uh, Poland and other Austria and places where the uh, far right, France, where the far right is more organized than they are here in the United States.
2: Well, it made me think about the Panthers and how they always tried to link black groups to com- communist groups, uh, foreign communist groups around the world, uh, especially Cuba. So they use this playbook before when they want to, you know, identify somebody and, and make them a, a hated, a hated version of, uh, another enemy around the world.
1: Yeah, yes, and they sir. didn't, you know, and they didn't hesitate to identify who specifically they were identifying you know the Panthers with or even Martin Luther King for example <laughs> uh you know supposedly you know he, under the under the heavy influence of communists uh Stanley Levison but the fact that they chose not to identify who then leads leaves us to speculate and then only logical speculation is uh, the uh, the neo Nazis in Europe. I mean, there there were, uh, you know, the Obama administration facilitated the neo Nazi overthrow of the of the government of Ukraine. You know, the Obama Biden, uh, this lady named Victoria Newland, who now has a position in the Biden administration, and uh, there were some links between. And I can't remember the name of the group now, but they were this group was prominent at the uh, white supremacist rally in uh, Charlottesville. Uh, some of these people had traveled over to Ukraine to do training with the neo-Nazis in Ukraine. So I mean, the only only groups that I could think that they, they would be claiming that they have uh, connections with would be neo-Nazis in Europe. And see, and this and this just opens further up there, up uh, a, a can of worms on, on the whole, uh, uh, you know, European uh, imperial project that uh, you know this kind of rot uh, is 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 occurring from within, and it, it you know obviously it harkens back to uh, uh, Germany, uh, 1932, 1933, so. This, this is very this is very this is very interesting to say the least and you know we, we, we know that um, that police officers were arrested during the Capitol Hill riot. Now have these people been relieved of duty? Uh, there were at least 22 who said they were former or current members of the. US military arrested so far. Have these people been removed at least 21 of those charged so far had ties with militant groups and militias okay now what do they what so what do they do about these groups? we know we know you know since the um, the, the move supposeds to be about Fred Hampton but it seems to be more about based on the reviews I read about William O'Neill since the title of the movie is Judas Judas and the Black Messiah so they they put the emphasis on Judas uh, who was you know the FBI informant William O'Neill they didn't hesitate to kill the gun Black Panthers down in you know in their sleep or in the streets or where wherever more Panthers were, were of course killed in Southern California than anywhere else. Um, so yeah, this 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 becomes very interesting. But it's all because they just didn't anticipate these people would be so focused on the power structure. They expected them to be focused on us. They would like to deflect their attention. From the power structure to us, um, and that's not to say that it won't happen uh, either naturally or because they have agent provocateurs who would direct uh, direct people. Uh, not, not that not that they don't have their own Dylan roots that have enough hatred anyway. But very interesting uh, situation
0: there. It was a close call, January 6th. You know, at Trump had the nerve in the quotes of Adolf Hitler to have fired a shot into the roof of a beer hall, to use that analogy, had he walked down to the Capitol and demanded access to the Capitol at that point in time, he was the President of the United States. The security that was available would have given him access. I think over a period of time that the Coup attempt would have failed, but they could have done serious damage to the governing um, body of the United States, you know, had he uh, shown that type of leadership uh, on January 6th. But, you know, as we know, uh, he opted to watch the uh, events by way of large screen TV with um, his son and uh, this
2: Guilfoyle and the Trump crew. Yeah, I wanna I wanna switch gears a little bit and I wanna deal with a few topics related around COVID and the uh, coronavirus vaccine and where we are. So. For those of you who know about the previous shows that we've done, when we talked about the potential possibility of this coronavirus vaccine originating in a lab in Wuhan. Many of the mainstream media outlets have debunked or tried to debunk those theories, as they call them, conspiracy theories, as being factually untrue. But recently, the New York Times released an article three days ago where now the World Health Organization is actually investigating the origin of the virus and they actually recently visited a lab in Wuhan to study this. So this is another example of why you can't always take everything that the mainstream media gives you as solid and factual information because they often contradict themselves when it's convenient for their agenda But staying on this topic of coronavirus and the COVID vaccine, I was listening to a podcast uh, where Dr. Lee Merritt was giving a synopsis on this mRNA vaccine. I think it's important for our listeners to hear this information because there have been a lot of deaths that have been reported from people taking this vaccination. So just recently, Um, This past week, there was a black woman in Virginia who died one day after taking a vaccine. Her name was uh, Dream Keys. There was also a European male in his 70s that died in New York after uh, 25 minutes after receiving the COVID-19 vaccination. And there was also uh, another European male who was 60 years old and he died two days after receiving the vaccination. And when he took the vaccination, he was so excited about it that he posted it on social media like I've seen other people doing, telling people that he was excited that he finally got his second dose of the Pfizer vaccination. And... Two days later, he was dead. And these are things that the media has been sweeping under the under the rug and now reporting on. But in Norway, there was also 23 people, elderly people that have passed away after taking this vaccination. Now, when the guy in New York died, they immediately said that there was no evidence that he had any allergic reactions to the vaccination. But this is how they use words to actually deter people from being able to critically think just because somebody does not have an allergy or an allergic reaction or something does not mean that that thing can't kill them you don't always have to have an allergic reaction to a medicine um to die and when people have studied this type of vaccine the mrna vaccine on animals and done animal trials none of the animal trials have ever been successful. So this means that eventually the animals that they tested this MRNA type of vaccine on, these animals eventually died. And they haven't had enough time to fully test this on humans. So the test is actually happening right now with people who are going forward and taking the vaccine. We talked about in a previous program where Hank Aaron took the vaccine. 17 days later, he died. There was another doctor in Florida took the vaccine. 16 days later, he died. So I'm going to play a clip. It's a little long, but I think it's important because people need to understand what this is leading up to and what could potentially happen if you go out there and take this vaccination what you could be faced with, not tomorrow, not two weeks from now, not even a couple of years from now, but whenever they decide, it's time for them to push the next button.
3: So I always tell people, you know, I'm not going to tell you whether to get a vaccine or not. You have to make your decision, but you should be allowed to have informed consent. And we're that that is getting so bad that if you put up the uh, package insert for a vaccine on your on your Facebook, you can get taken down. So let's just keep in mind here, we're not getting informed consent here. We might think we are, we're not. So if you look at the history of these vaccines, just real quickly, these are these are not, these are experimental biologics. I don't even like to call them vaccines because tra- classically the how vaccines work is this, you grow a bunch of the pathogens. So let's say it's measles, you grow the measles in the in a, in a vat or in eggs, and then you take a portion of that and you make it less strong, you, you attenuate it, you make it weaker. And there's different ways of doing that, and then you inject it into people, and their own immune system sees that weakened pathogen, and then they react to it just enough that it puts it in their immunologic memory. And then when they're exposed to it the next time, they memorize it, and theoretically they can then better respond. That's what your real body does when it gets sick. You're you're just without all this vaccination stuff. You get sick with a with a virus, you get perfect lifelong immunity for the most part, and and it's over. Okay. So what, but how is this different? Well, this is not, they're not giving you a pathogen or a piece of a pathogen or a small piece with a, with an adjuvant, which is a chemical that makes your immune system react more. What they're doing is programming mRNA and mRNA is a little piece of it's, it's, it's like DNA, but it's the messenger RNA. It's what, it's what makes proteins in the body. It's kind of like a computer chip that you put into a a 3d printer and then it you tell it what you want it to make and it prints it out right that we have that in, in Engineering and this is the biologic equivalent. I make up. I make some mRNA and it tells your body to produce certain things Well in this case what they've done They've made a, a piece of this mRNA to create in every cell of your body that spike protein or at least part of it and That spike protein you're actually creating the pathogen in your body so, you know, this is where it gets a little wishy about how much of that spike protein is actually being created, and I don't know how to find that, I can't find that. But I'm sure somebody knows. What happens is, the problem, and this is the problem, and I'll tell you what happened in the animal studies. There have been four different vaccines and three different animal studies that I know of. In ferrets, in, um, uh, what's the other, cats. was Cats have a natural thing with coronavirus. So it's cats and ferrets, and I think something else. They started after SARS, they did CATS. And then after MERS, they did, which are all coronavirus pathogens that are more deadly. And they, they, after MERS, they tried it in ferrets and something else. And what happened is all the animals died. It wasn't subtle, okay? But they didn't die of the vaccine. What they died from was called immune enhancement or antibody-induced enhancement or antibody-dependent enhancement. They call it ADE now, but it's it's they used to call it immune enhancement. Here's what happens. So they make the RNA and so you're getting ready with this, they, you get the vaccine and you do fine, all right? Now you challenge the animal with the virus that you're supposed to be immunizing against. So when they charge, when they challenged those cats with, with, with SARS, what happened is, instead of, instead of killing the virus or, you know, weakening, what they did is, you're, you're this stylized immuno response that they've made, built into your system, went out and coded the virus So the virus came into the the cat's body like a Trojan horse unseen by the cat's own immune system. And then it replicated without checking and killed the cat with overwhelming sepsis and cardiac failure. And that happened in the ferrets. That happened every time they've tried this. And so let me just point out, we have never made it through an animal study successfully for this type of virus. We have never done this in humans before. At least we haven't, maybe the Chinese haven't, I'll talk about that in a second, but that's that's why we don't really have a track record of success. This vaccine was rolled out to distribution centers before they even made a show of caring about the FDA approving it. Do you realize that? I mean, it went out for distribution. I know in Nebraska, it was in the distribution center within days before the FDA even said they were gonna approve it. What? I mean, I've never seen that happen before and the longest they've really followed people after the vaccine is 2 months. Well, you see that's that's not enough time to know that we won't have that antibody enhancement problem. And I will make this military point. This is a perfect binary weapon. You could you could there you there's no way I know exactly what that mRNA is programmed to and neither do you and neither do most doctors. The doctors can't get at that data. That's the guys the guys at the very top of this project, okay? They know, but we don't know. They say it's to the spike protein, but how do we prove it? We don't know. So if I were China and I wanted to take down our military, that's easy. I make this. I just do like we've seen happen. I I make it pro. I make it to a something, a uh something I could hook on to this coronavirus, like the spike protein or something else, another protein. And I just, I just make a, an mRNA to that, but I know it doesn't exist in nature, so nobody's going to die from the vaccine. And then two years later, I released the, the, the whatever it is that I made. You see what I'm saying? The counterpart. And it causes wow. this immune enhancement death. So it's a delayed death. That's what binary, binary poisons are. They're delayed. They're, I give you part one, cause it, you know, I, and then I can walk away. And then you accidentally get in contact with part two and die. And you-
2: so in the past, when people have talked about the plans for population control and depopulation of the planet, and people wanted to decrease the population of the planet by at least 20%. This is what we have to be concerned about. And right now, they're pushing this vaccine. Specifically, there's an initiative to push this vaccine to what they consider to be poor countries. So there's a there's a organization called COVAX and the United States, China, other countries countries around the world that are in the world health organization are working with COVAX to get these doses of this vaccine out to various countries that they consider to be poor countries and the target i want you to listen to this the target percentage of the country's populations that they want vaccinated is 20 percent if you go to the world health organization's website they have this listed on the website so is this is this connected to their depopulation plan? If they only want twenty percent of the people to be to be vaccinated, why not have everybody vaccinated? Why only twenty percent? The general director of the World Health Organization, um, I can't remember his name, Dr. Tedros. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but he's an Ethiopian. He made a statement. He came out and he said that some people in all countries need to be vaccinated. Not all people in some countries. Now, people could say that, you know, they don't want the richer countries to get access to this vaccination and leave the poor countries out. That would be their argument. But. I believe that the reason why they're focusing on these poor countries is because this is where they want to depopulate the planet. It helps them gain access to more resources and it helps them get rid of people that they consider to be, um, a burden on society.
1: Yeah, brother, almost you brought up two things there, uh, that, um, you know, the first issue sounds more like a biological warfare issue that could be directed at the United States. Um, You know, the interesting thing that's going on is that still a large percentage of uh, Africans in America say they're not taking the vaccine. And you've had uh, a lot of uh, gung-ho white people who have gone on to, uh, in, uh, indigenous, uh, people's reservations, uh, gone into the hood, you know, South Central Los Angeles trying to cut lines and, uh, all kind of stuff and they're getting the vaccine. So, you know, this thing, uh, you know, could be, uh, backfiring on them. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it appears, it appears to me, uh, But, uh, so I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, that's, that's way above me. The, the, the MRNA, um, uh, you know, the way it works in terms of, um, not, uh, they're not injecting you with the, with a, uh, weakened down version of the, of the actual virus. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that, uh, I don't know what to say about that, because that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, I I was not aware, obviously, of these uh, animal studies. But it was always my position that by rushing this to the market. That it was that it was more driven. The rush was more driven by economics, uh, you know, and and not just not just the economics that were uh, that would be flowing to the the pharmaceutical uh, industry, but the the economies of these countries, right. you know, have been stagnant for virtually a year, and they really and they really they really do need to get them going, and they need they need to create, uh, you know, some sense of uh, of safety, that people can can uh, regain some type of normalcy in terms of consumer spending. So, I thought my position from the beginning was that they would, they would be willing to sacrifice X number of people just in order to, uh, in order to get things moving economically and that they'll deal with the consequences on down the road. If, if, uh, you know, people die, but if they died based on the way this doctor said, then how do they go back and tie it to it? But, uh, in terms of what you said about the uh, the vaccination programs that are set up, you know, we, we published a story on our Facebook page on February 3rd. Here we go again, Africa, beware of strangers bearing gifts. Why are people who we know care nothing about the health of African people so interested in giving Africa COVID vaccines? see, here's the thing. We, we, we're talking about a group of people who we know care nothing about the health of African people. With, you know, globally, but particularly here in the United States where African people have higher rates of certain cancers, of hypertension, of uh, of diabetes, kidney disease. I mean, it's just, it's it's amazing. So now, now you're supposed to believe that they actually care about you and they want you to have this vaccine. It's ludicrous. Historically, these, these strangers have only brought death and destruction to Africa. The World Bank is to finance vaccines for 21 African countries. We are preparing emergency vaccine projects in 21 countries in Africa, including uh, the DRC, Ethiopia, Niger, Mozambique, Tunisia, East Wateni, and Cape Verde, to name a few. The funds are available right now, said David Malpass, president of the World Bank. Africa, with over uh, 1.2 billion people, so now this this was what, I, what we wrote on February 3rd. Africa, with over 1.2 billion people, has seen 92,269 COVID deaths, but over 70,000 of those deaths are in just four countries. South Africa, which leads the uh, continent in deaths, Egypt, Morocco, and Tunisia. The United Kingdom, with only 66 million people, has seen 108,225 deaths. Italy, with only 60 million people, has nearly as many COVID deaths, 89,344, as the entire African continent. So in in terms of the loss of life, Africa has done a fantastic job managing the COVID crisis. Tanzania, with only 59 million people, is reporting only 21 deaths. Africa needs to keep doing what it has been doing. Uh, beware of these strangers bearing gifts. Uh, so the interesting thing here about this is that so if it, if you look at if you look at where the African deaths have been. Uh, only about 20, uh, 20 plus thousand of those deaths are in all of the rest of Africa, outside of the four countries that I named. Uh, I mean, that's amazing when you think about it. That is absolutely amazing. You're probably talking about, uh, you know, uh, close to, uh, you know, a billion people. And you know, only uh, you know, 20, 22,000, 23,000 deaths. Now, of course, that that was based on the first wave. Now we got all of these variants working, and uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see exactly how that works out. But uh, I I saw today that South Africa told uh, AstraZeneca that uh, They didn't want any more of their vaccines because their vaccine was not uh, effective against the variant in South Africa. Now, the the, the variants are throwing a monkey wrench in the virus because, I mean, in the vaccine uh, program because they don't really know if these vaccines are going to be effective against the variants. This is in addition to all the other stuff that that, that you mentioned, uh, but South Africa has determined that the AstraZeneca vaccine that they have, which I don't think is being used here in the United States, um, I think it's being used in some parts of Europe. They've determined that it doesn't work against their variants, uh, their, their particular variant. And the thing about these variants uh, of of the uh, of the virus. There could there could literally be hundreds of variants, and it's just amazing how quick they're popping up. I think, uh, you know, one popped up uh, today. I think it was in Norway or somewhere. There's there was one. In, there's one in Nigeria. The the three major ones that uh, were in the United States were uh, the uh, UK. The one from the UK were. Wow. Which was apparently the first place, and then uh, Brazil, and then South Africa. It seemed like there was another one, but now there's but Nigeria, which has very few cases, suddenly has a variant. It 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 seems like there's something really fishy going on here. I you know I don't I don't know, but I just know that we need to we need to just make sure that we're keeping our immune system, you know, uh, functioning at a thousand percent that's what we need to do
2: well one of the interesting things about the variant cases is that they keep saying that these variants are more contagious more contagious but they're not saying that these variants are more lethal so a variant can come out and it can be slightly more contagious like one or two percent more contagious than the original but then they create this fear that oh this now is is catapulting into something far more worse with these variants, even though the uh, fatality rate may not be more than the original uh, coronavirus. All of these vaccinations that they're pushing is an agenda because there are ways to treat COVID-19. As you've talked about before, if you increase your vitamin D levels, you'll be less susceptible to the virus. If you do get the virus, there are other things that you can take. Zinc, vitamin C, selenium, hydroxychloroquine. These things that are out there that have shown as proven treatments to to COVID. So instead of focusing on producing a treatment for economic reasons, as you stated, they want to focus on a vaccination and also it has to do with the agenda for population control. Because if you go into a country and you release and you give people a vaccination, you vaccinate uh, one region of the country with this mRNA vaccine, and then you go to another region that you plan to depopulate and you give them uh, another coded version of the M- mRNA vaccine. Those two vaccines could be telling the body to do two different things. Now, as Dr. Merritt stated, those people may not necessarily die within the first year. But when you decide to push the button and come out and release something that's not in nature, whatever you coded or attached to that, uh, to, to COVID, then when those people come into contact with it are they going to have this enhanced immune system disorder where their body just naturally allows this this thing to come into their body replicate itself and then eventually kill them so if if I was trying to do to decrease the population of a certain area I could just do it in stages I could just say okay in 2025 you know, I'll release this out into this area and people will just start dropping dead, but nobody will look back to it being because of the COVID vaccine. They'll say that, oh, it's a new virus out there that people are catching, they're dying from it. Not realizing that people wouldn't have died from it if they didn't inject themselves with this mRNA. So I can call That's it anything. True. I can say that this is, you know, this is uh COVID twenty five a new a, a, a totally new uh disease but it was my yeah, plan all along to introduce your body to it at a certain time period when i wanted you to die in the same way that people are dying now from covid people people will believe it they'll they'll just believe that it happened naturally they'll say they'll make up another story or they'll call it ebola or whatever they want to call it
1: you know th- th- see th- this is the thing man this 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 is why um the, the, the neo-colonial leadership in africa has to be run uh, run out of the continent i mean because you know why why would these why would these 21 you know african leaders allow you know their population to be vaccinated when they when they are not having, you know this type of major problem you know i mean you know my contention is you know that and i don't know this but i mean i would really like to know <laughs> i'm just saying based on the sun now i, I know that if the more melanin you have the, the more sunshine you need but africa has an abundance of sunshine and i just think that that it 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 very well could be the fact that africans have you know, a, a very high content of vitamin D is one reason why. It's not to say you will not catch the virus. It 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 can it can prevent the virus. It definitely lessens the impact. So, why would these African leaders allow their citizens to be guinea pigs? Because they're probably receiving some kind of kickbacks. Mm-hmm. Are they just puppets or they're just, uh, you know, white supremacists in blackface, you know, like Mobutu and, you know, other other African uh, sellouts like that.
2: And when they look back, they'll say, you know, well, the leader of the World Health Organization during this time was black,
1: was an African, right? Was an African. Uh, let, let me read this about this, uh, you know, what I call a, a double whammy. Uh this came from a New Scientist magazine. COVID variants evade the immunity we develop from natural infection by other coronavirus, uh, coronavirus variants and from vaccines. Coronavirus are becoming increasingly concerning as they mutate samples of the more transmissible B117 coronavirus variant which was first detected in the UK have acquired a mutation that will help them evade immune protection, the same mutation already present in the B one three five one variant from South Africa, which is now spreading worldwide. So what it's saying is that okay, so the way the the, the way the way your, your immune system is supposed to work, once it sees um, it's been infected once by a virus. The next time it sees it, you know it has the ability to, uh, you know, jump on it and stamp it out. But it's saying that these these variants apparently uh, look like something that's totally new, and the immune system hasn't seen it, so it doesn't uh, it doesn't function the way it's supposed to. It isn't clear yet if the B1351 is more transmissible, but everyone else has said it's more transmissible. And let me say this about the, the transmissible and the, uh, and the deaths. Uh, I don't see how they can say it's not causing more deaths because if uh, particularly you take a population like the African uh, population here in the United States, African, you know, traditional African-American population who have, we have all of these comorbidities, why wouldn't we die? From the new variant, at the same rate we're dying, or at higher rates, it doesn't make sense what they're saying. But it is certain that it can partly evade the immunity we develop from natural infection. Uh, the big worry is that it could it could evolve further and completely evade immunity, undermining vaccination efforts. The only way to detect this is very very important. The only way to detect B1351, that's the South African variant is to sequence viral samples and only about one in 20 samples from people who test positive are sequenced. So they don't really know how many people have this variant in the United States because the United States doesn't run the sequencing on everybody that's tested. So they don't know when they say, well, there's only uh, about 700 people. They don't know that because they're not running the sequencing to determine that. The U.S. uh, sequences a smaller portion of viral samples than the U.K., so even more cases could be undetected there. So once again, see, you got this for-profit health uh, care system. They're not even doing the basics to protect the people. Local transmission has been reported in Belgium, Austria, Israel, and in several countries in Africa, now they're talking about the South African variant, the B1351. Uh, and in several African countries, including Zambia, Mozambique, Botswana, and Tanzania. Now, how do they know this? Are they uh, the, are these countries running sequencing? Are they doing the sequencing to, to determine this? Because that's the only way you can determine it. Additionally, a number of other countries, including Australia, New Zealand, China, and Japan, have detected cases linked to travel but haven't reported local spread. Okay. Uh you know this you know the, the the bottom line is this problem is not going away because you because you because the, the the virus is mutating, creating variants and it it may it might create a thousand variants. We you don't know. So you you're going to have to you're going to have to maintain your, your, your immune system, and you're going to have to be safe in terms of masks, and if you're flying on a plane, you need to wear goggles because if you're sitting close to people, you know, the, the, the virus has three entry points, the mouth, the nose, and the eyes. So you need to wear goggles if you're on an airplane uh, or, or if you're anywhere in a, in a close environment, you know, so everything has to be covered. This thing is not going away. And uh, if it's uh, if it's part of a population uh, reduction scheme, see to me the population reduction thing and the biological warfare thing that the ladies talking about possibly out of China, uh, th- those are two different things because they they would specifically target the United States. Uh, you know, not that the United States isn't already doing as much as it can to uh, to self destruct, but you know that's uh, that's something we have to keep keep reporting on i mean obviously we we're not scientists all we can do is read and use uh, our critical thinking skills to uh you know put our positions out there and and you know and and rely on experts like the lady uh lady that you mentioned um yeah i just try to look at at,
2: at the key points and it just seems interesting and i'll make this point again that their goal is to make sure that at least 20% of all countries have the vaccination. So they believe that and this is this is the director of the director general of the World Health Organization. I'll read his exact tweet. Dr. Tedros Gebreyesus says that the fastest way to end the COVID-19 pandemic and accelerate the economic recovery is to ensure some people are vaccinated in all countries. Not all people in some countries. The COVID, the COVAX facility helps us achieve that and ensures the race for vaccinations is a collaboration and not a contest. But if your goal is to put it into the pandemic when the world um, wanted to Put an end to polio they wanted to make sure that everybody received polio vaccine so that they can attempt to eradicate polio here they're saying that they want to make sure that some people everywhere receive it and they, and they specifically put out a a, a number now I know that things like herd immunity exists and, you know, they're saying that if enough people get the vaccine and we can get to herd immunity, but I mean, that can happen without anybody taking the vaccine. Just if enough people get infected, there could be herd immunity. So why is there a specific focus on making sure that a certain percentage of people get the vaccine? If the vaccine is not even going to stop you from being infected. The only thing the vaccine can potentially do is what they're saying is protect you from the adverse side effects which could potentially cause you to die. But for the people that have already been infected with COVID and haven't displayed any symptoms at all, what would be the benefit of them taking a the vaccine? Yeah,
1: it, it it could make make them more susceptible to the disease but but he had to use the language 20% of of everybody I mean 20% of people in every country but we know we we know that they will target that certain countries will be targeted mm-hmm. particularly on the African continent okay uh, you know I, China's not going to let them do that in 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 China you know they They've created their own vaccine anyway, so and so so have the Russians, um, but you know they might want to reduce. China certainly could be motivated to reduce some of their population, and so and and so could India, but listen, white people are already dying. More white people are dying in many countries in the world than are being born. Because they're not having children. So it doesn't make it, you know, they don't want to reduce the population of Europe because the population of Europe is already being reduced by what they're doing themselves. And the last time they did a study in 26 states in the United States, and I'm sure the number has gone up since the uh, pandemic, In 26 states in the United States, I think it was in 2016 when they did this study, more white people were dying than were being born in 26 states in the United States. So they are already not reproducing enough people to sustain themselves. So I don't think this population control applies to them.
2: Well that's Chinese? that's if you look at all white people as the same, but when you when you look at the Israelis and the Chinese, they both have a theory that there's it the, the Israelis believe, the Zionists believe that there's Zionists and there's everybody else below them. The Chinese believe that it's Chinese and there's everybody else. To, they both believe that they have a superior race. So and they both would be willing, as you stated, to kill people even within their own race to accomplish a goal or an agenda. So if that agenda is an elitist agenda to depopulate the planet, they're willing to take white people out the same way that they would take out African people, Indian people, and other Asian people around the world. They're willing to take that risk. But when the studies have been done... By medical researchers, one of the groups that has been less susceptible to the transmission of COVID or that don't contain um, something within their bodies that would make them, uh, make it lethal for them has been the Ashkenazim. So these are things we have to look at.
1: Yeah, but there's so few of them man in the world. I mean, if you look at the total the total global population, they, I mean, you know, they they they're not even a speck on 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 the radar. I mean, they, their destructive capacity is is, is 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 far is is far beyond that. But without the United States, Israel dies. Without, you know, without you know, with without this 3.8 billion dollar paycheck that the United States sends to them every year. They can't survive without the United States. So, you know, maybe they, maybe maybe they want to destroy the whole world. Who knows?
2: But but it, but, but see, w- what does a parasite do? They go from one host to another. So, they would just shift their alliance to where well, it seems to me that it's shifting now to China. So you have the you you have Israel and China. And China replaces the United States as the superpower that supports Israel.
1: Well, I mean that's you know it, that's I guess that you could say that's you know that's uh that's possible. Uh, you know, China doesn't need Israel. <laughs> Israel Israel has nothing that that China needs. Absolutely nothing.
2: Well, right now uh, China. See what what what's happening now is China is. You have two countries that are vying for power. China is trying to leverage Israel to defeat the US. Israel is trying to leverage China to replace the US because Israel wants to be a world superpower.
1: Yeah. That's 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 hard for it's hard for me to believe that 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 uh that I I I I, I can't conceive of that. I mean it, it's just uh it's, it's, that's very, 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 very difficult for me to believe that it that the uh, Zionists want to replace uh, the United States as their, you know, primary source of income and you know whatever weapons and all this kind of stuff with with the Chinese of um, people who they have no history with and have no way of knowing whether the Chinese are playing them i mean they have they have history over here they have they have influence you look at all of the uh well they have a that... lot of
2: history influence in china too i mean they were the primary founders of what mao Zedong created if you go back Ooh. and look at the designers if you go back and look at the financial system in china and communism and where it came from it came from Zionists. so they have a deep history in china it's just this is not often talked about the Zionists are trying to create an elitist, they're trying to create an elitist uh, globalist system. And in order for them to do that and become the premier superpower, they have to knock off the United States. See, they believe they can beat China because they believe they can outsmart the Chinese. The Chinese don't understand how the how they hats operate. So they're thinking that they could outsmart the heads. You have two people racing the same race to become number one, but they don't. But they don't see that the threat from each other. The Ch- China, China will be harder to topple than the United States just because of the racial um, demographics and also the religious demographics, because they are uh, atheists. Um, they're atheists country as far as their their religion so it's not going to be as easy as it would be for designers to interweave themselves inside of a society economically but at the same time the chinese don't understand the same way donald trump didn't where they can go with their diabolical plans once they finish using somebody else for their benefit
1: well, I, I got to give the Chinese more credit than that—that <laughs> that, that they're that gullible. I mean, these are people that fought a revolution, uh, and you know, suffered tremendously under under Japan doing doing World War II. Uh, you know, the, the the British, the opium opium wars, and and all. I I, I mean, I got to I, I got to give them more credit than, than than they could be duped by you know you know by these people. I you know. See, the thing of it is, is this, um, the Christian, what, what, what some people are calling the Christian fascists, uh, you know, they, they identify with Israel. These are, they're within, within the far right. They are obviously the hardcore white supremacists who are, who are anti, uh, Jewish people, you know, just like when they were marching in, in, um, Charlottesville saying Jews would not replace us, right? I mean you you have you mm-hmm. have that Hitlerian strain, but then you have the, 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 the Mike Pence, these in evangelical Christians, and I mean, you know, they could perhaps split over the issue of uh, of Israel, but you know, I think the United States uh the, the trend in the United States, in my opinion, is trending Towards, uh, you know, being a fascist uh, country, as uh, as the American Empire collapses, I I think as the American Empire collapses, I think that they they will try to save themselves uh, through some form of fascism. Uh, the capitalists uh, will align with the with the uh, fascists, the same way they did uh, in Germany, and you know, kick the neoliberals to the curb. Uh, you know when 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 it comes down to that, but there's a there's a strong hardcore element within that evangelical class of people who who would be part of this uh, formation that are that are pro Israel to the absolute core. So, you know, I, I you know. We don't we don't know how this is is going to play out. But I mean, just based on based on the history, I, in my opinion, there are elements in the United States and that, that that are connected to Israel. They have a, a umbilical cord type of relationship. I can't see them wanting the top of the United States.
2: The, the united states is topple. that's what
1: israel, they're israel goes down the tank
2: that's but see that's what they're doing this the, this is this is what what we got to understand with the way the hats operate do they want to just get rid of the united states completely no but they want to create a new united states that's the whole purpose of getting rid of the constitution that's the whole purpose of taking the United States out of a nationalist mode into a globalist mode, which they've been doing pretty much since uh, 1992. That's what they've pretty much been doing. But when it comes to um, the United States being a superpower, they want Israel to be a superpower militarily. They want to use the United States as an incubator and they want to empower, continue to empower themselves. And they're using an alliance right now with China to do it. They align themselves with China to uh, overthrow Donald Trump in his previous presidential election because that was a severe threat to their plans for globalism. And they, they used, the Chinese and the Israelis used each other. Now, I, to your point, I agree with you on the fact that I believe it's going to be very difficult for the Chi- for for them to defeat the Chinese. But there is an ongoing it's almost like there's an alliance, but there's also a battle between the two countries at the same time. Because Israel, I mean they continue to sell weapons to the Chinese even against the US uh the U.S. has instructed them many times not to do this, and they continue to do it. So Israel, they're not really concerned or threatened by um, being gung-ho in the line with the United States. They're going to do what's in their best interest. And I think right now what that is is dismantling what we know of as the United States, getting rid of the Second Amendment, getting rid of the decency uh, in not saying that this is a decent country, don't get me wrong, but the, the the morality that's left in this country, sucking sucking that out of the people, turn this into a, a, gen, a degenerate, uh, anarchy type of state, a dysfunctional state. And I think that they align themselves with Asia or with China to do that. Now, the goal of the Chinese is total annihilation of the United States. That is their goal total total annihilation. They would rather depopulate the United States and then just take this take this land over completely.
1: Yeah, well, you know, it's uh it's one hell of a thing there. Um yeah, it's uh it's you know you know I think for is Israel with its with its population and even the total Jewish population in the world to think that they can replace the United States as a superpower, I I, I, I think that's a total fantasy. The United States has like 700 bases around the world. <laughs> Israel has no, they don't even, they, they don't even have the population to do that. They can but, only do it through proxies.
2: But do you need, like you, you just hit it on the head, you, do you need the population when you control the government? You can have as many military bases as you want, but who's going to give the instructions for those bases? The Israelis. So when you got all of the people in the cabinet, uh, most people in the cabinet of uh, Trump that are Jewish, and you got a lot of people in Biden's cabinet that are Jewish, it's a reason why they keep getting funding from the United States because they control, they're pretty much taking control over the government. These are the people that are, that, that are empowered to make the decisions where that military or where those military resources are going to be used. So they're not going to just go up against the United States and say, hey, we got enough firepower to beat you. But they're going to break the United States down and and control the government to where they keep using the United States to empower themselves. And this time around, they had to work with China to accomplish that goal. Because Donald Trump was in the way.
1: Well, you know, <laughs> Trump. Trump increased the funding. Uh, he went up. Uh, I think Obama gave him 3.8 billion. He he increased it to 3.9, and then he went out and got all of these countries uh, to uh, you know sign these peace treaties, you know, with Israel. I mean, no, nobody did more to enhance. Uh, the Zionist standing in the world among presidents in the last, uh, you know, 50 years, than Trump. I mean, none none of those other presidents were able to get Morocco, Sudan, Bahrain, the the, the Emirates. Uh, the, you know, they have relationships with the Saudis now that they didn't have, and uh, you know, and and
2: so. But as at the same time, no other president did more to destabilize the globalist agenda than President Trump by pulling out of the World Health Organization, by ending the Green New Deal, by uh, pulling out of NAFTA, by pulling out of the, uh, the Pacific Trade Agreement, by putting so many sanctions on uh, China with trade. So, you know, one end, he did help Israel, but on the other end, they can get that same help from biden and at the same time push the globalist agenda which is which is more beneficial for them
1: yeah well i mean i don't doubt that the globalist agenda is beneficial to them you know where i disagree is if the united states falls israel is gone that's my position you know i i i I don't see israel you know lasting without the united states well just look
2: at it just look at it this way we look at all, all history is a current event.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: The, the Zionists, if you look historically at all of the countries that they've been expelled from, they've went into various countries who have been powerful at times and sucked the blood of these countries. And when these countries have fallen, what do they do? They migrate to the next country. So the same way that at one point the United States wasn't a powerful country, it wasn't even a country in existence. But when it came into existence and it was time for them to migrate here and do what they normally do or have done in other countries, they did it. So that is their that's their MO. And if the United States, if they know the United States is on its way of collapse economically, which we all know the United States is on its way to collapse. Then why not prepare yourselves to, to continue your historical legacy and going into another country? and doing the same thing over again while at the same time empowering your home-based country, Israel.
1: Yeah, well I mean, you know, it makes sense to look for look, you know, look for options uh that you know that that that, that guarantees, I mean, self self-preservation. Everybody seems to understand that except for Africans. That <laughs> <laughs> does, you know, self-preservation of course, you know, you go, you know, you see you see the handwriting on the wall how do you position yourself but you know uh you know China has been a stark supporter of Iran they have not cared anything about the US sanctions on Iran
2: I agree I agree with that
1: and Israel wants to destroy Iran and you know about the only thing that has really stopped them probably and that's not to say they still won't do it it has been you know, the Chinese and, 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 Russian support, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, they can't, they can't get the global support out of the UN because it's blocked by, you know, by the Chinese and the Russians. So, you know, you know, but that's not to say that, you know, China's not going to risk its necessary, its, uh, you know, future to save Iran, but, um, uh, at, you know at, at the same time you know they've been a stark supporter uh, and certainly Israel <laughs> does not uh, does, does, does not want that I mean with without China and Russia you know Iran would have probably uh you know uh, you know been uh, certainly in turmoil you know similar to Syria and 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 Libya
2: yeah uh, now, I, I, I agree I agree with all of those points. And that's one of the first things I thought about as well when I was assessing this whole China and uh, Israel alliance is the fact that China has supported a lot of Israel's enemies. Once again, I don't think they agree on all things. I think that they that they all have uh, their own goals that they're working towards, and they're trying to utilize you know each other to reach those goals. It's no different than a than than. Uh, Foes that become friends temporarily to get past a battle in in a war
1: Right And see another thing is I mean Where China really wants China and Russia really Where they really want to uh, They know the most damage they could do to the United States would be To uh, You know Move the global economy off of the dollar standard Okay if they did that, then, you know, that would that would do more to facilitate the collapse of the American empire than anything, and that would be something that the United States would be willing to go to war over if China, you know, if, if, if China was successful, which they probably will be eventually successful in doing that, um, and, you know, we see uh, just this week you know Biden holding uh, joint uh, military maneuvers. Um, I think it may have been in the South China Sea, somewhere in the Pacific, with Australia and maybe Taiwan, holding uh, holding military maneuvers against China. And a lot of people are predicting that the coming war would be between the United States, you know, and China.
2: And who, um, and, and, so, and who would that benefit
1: well it would depending <laughs> on what the russians decided to do that's they true. could come out as the uh that's true the, but, they, but
2: benefit, i mean it's, it's gonna benefit, benefit it's gonna benefit israel too
1: yeah well it i i, I don't see a benefit in israel because i don't see israel surviving without the united states i mean i don't where where, where do they go <laughs> you know i i i really don't i, I really don't see uh, you know where they go. I mean, I, you know, I've seen, you know, their their history. That's that's true. But in but in terms of the world, what? Well, I mean, they're trying to make inroads into Africa. Uh, you know, maybe they'll try to colonize Africa. You know, that might be something that would be more easy for them to do because you got so many corrupt leaders that will sell out for anything. But uh, yeah, we'll continue this. We'll continue to explore this because, I mean, it's it's certainly an interesting interesting topic. So, uh, you know, there were some other things, but we carried this one on for for quite a while. So, maybe a brother Jasper and the other people that want us to have long conversations will be satisfied by this uh, this program. <laughs> They've been complaining that our programs have been too short. So, you can go ahead and close us out, brother.
2: Brothers and sisters, this is a time where global censorship is happening. And we have to push our website, africalliberationmedia.com, before we push any social media platform where you can find all this information. So visit africalliberationmedia.com and join our email list to stay up to date on the latest with African Liberation Media. If you do want to check us out on social media, you can visit our Facebook page. We do have an Instagram and you can listen to this podcast anywhere that you listen to your podcast until next time. Holy Day. be before Holy day. Power or the lack
4: of power. I want to repeat this power or the lack of power. If your education in this institution is not about gaining real power not job, because your jobs do not represent power. Not getting elected, that does not represent power either. You are buying your houses and fine clothes, does not represent power. Either. If it is not about real power, you are being miseducated and misled, and you will die educated and misled. Yeah. Your study of Black history is merely an exercise in feeling good about yourself. Then you will die feeling good. The study of history then must be more than the pumping up of your self-esteem and the pumping up of your pride. Those things are important. But ultimately, those things are not the means by which we will save ourselves as people in this world.